This week on Kettle of Fish, actor and comedian Hyde Hovnanian stops by to talk about grabbing the bull by the horns. Welcome to our after show. We call Kettle of Fish the No Politics Laughter Show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debates, hate, or arguments allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip. So hooray for Kettle of Fish. Alrighty, kids, welcome to Kettle of Fish, the fun, no politics laughter show where we chat with actors, comedians, artists, scientists, musicians, magicians, and models about life, love, and the creative process. And, okay, maybe a little bit about politics. <laughs> I am your seafaring podcasting captain of the internet airways, Nick the Saucy One Cat Saurus, broadcasting to you live, as always, from the very top of Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my digital, my visual, my individual producer, the leftovers to my Thanksgiving turkey, Dee, the girl who does things, prizer. Yes, I do things. I do lots of things. For anybody who hasn't seen it yet, you can go to www.tincan.media slash D-E-E. Real easy. Um, And you'll see all the things I do. And this week it was, I started uh, Mary Kay and I started my first singing videos because I... um, I never, you know, it's it's one of those things. I never, I never let anybody hear me sing. You're emerging from your cocoon, a I beautiful am. public butterfly. I'm trying. It's kind of scary. Rob Kersaint should sing a song about you. Right? That would work. That seems right Aww. up his alley. So is this, are we finally done after D, Danielle and Tella and Danielle um, Prizer or the producer or the Maven or the Maven Domestic? Are we finally fucking done with the monikers with you? Yeah, is this D I, does just, things now? It's just, I'm just D. I, I give. I'm just D. Come on. Just D. D. Oh, golly G. You're just yeah, D. I am just Sounds D. like an 80s sitcom. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get Fern in here. And a girl who could take on a bar full of angry drunks without spilling her drink, but got her ass kicked by Cyber Monday. Fern, the moist voice Thompson. You've only had oh one nickname, God. Fern. That is true. Yes, but it did take us a while to come up with that. It did. And I'm here, as usual, in beautiful Virginia Beach. It was a little overcast uh, earlier, but it's sunny now. And I am 50% less hungover, but still broadcasting from the space-time continuum with a Milk Ultra in my hand because, you know, when I commit, I commit. And space-time continuum is going to come in handy today. So, Cyber Monday. Usually oh. you're fucking like bruiser badass but you called me monday i was like oh my god how am i gonna get through all this i mean this you're the person who like did your research for your opticianary boards you had to do all these different tests to kind of um renew your license and you're like how am i going to do all these tests in 48 hours and you buckled down and did them all yet cyber monday had you fucking frazzled Dude, Cyber Monday kicked my ass, and let me tell you, I save money all year. I put a little bit aside every other week for the kids for Christmas because, you know, I don't care how tight things are, how good things are, how bad things are, they're going to have a good Christmas. That's one thing I've always said. And Cyber Monday, man, was like, oh, my God, I had been keeping a list all year of little things that they would say that they wanted, and I just put it in my notepad, in my memo, in my phone, trying to stay my OCD, you know, organized self, but Jesus, 
it, there was just so much and so many websites, and I was popping back and forth, and this website doesn't have this, and this one has that, and we've got to get this amount for free shipping, and this is not in stock, and this is what I want, but it's not in stock here, and i got to go there. It was your own private like, oh. Idaho. Dude, I felt like, oh, my God, I felt like a cat with a ball of yarn, man. I was totally wrapped up in that cyber bullshit. It was bad, but I did get it done, at least some of it, and... I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty good with what I did. I saved a lot of money, and I got free shipping, which most places do that anyway. And uh, now I have a ton of boxes to go through. Maybe we're wrapped in that cyber bullshit because this is all just a computer simulation. More on that. I I would hope it is, and maybe I'll just wake up and it'll all be a dream and things will be, like, just done. But I don't think shit works that way. Barely, barely, baby. We just got back on air. We took a couple weeks off. Yes. Um, We've been traveling around filming our new web series, The Misadventures of Saucy. Did a lot of great things. I think the um, pinnacle of what we did, the swan song was when you auditioned for AGT. And we can't really talk about outcomes here. Well, because we don't know. Well, but we did. We are going to be on AGT in some capacity regardless. Uh, Yeah, and I'm sure we can talk about that because everybody did it. But um, so there is a spot where um, everybody runs to the front, like towards the registration desks. And we did that, and it was really cool. Um, and everybody, they said, do something creative, do something that's uniquely you. And the first time I just kind of ran, we did like 20 takes. And I was like, you know what, dude? If these people want Nick Cat Soros, they're going to get Nick Cat Soros. And for you guys who don't know it, I used to be in a band called Even Steven. And I did this segment where I sang, and I would put my hands over my eyes and kind of mosh around. And I did that during the AGT. Yeah. Yeah, it was really right. cool. Um, so let's see if it makes the cut. Yeah, I bet it will. I mean, it should. Me washing through the courtyard. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it was a lot of fun, and I guess now we just have to wait and see, right? That's just... Wait and see D on AGT. Mm-hmm. All right, um, why don't you tell us what's got, what we got coming up, and then we will jump right into this episode. Uh, yes, so... Coming up, we do have comedian Derek Sheen join us for some drunken trivia. Um, that's going to be later on in the month. Then we've got actor James Morrison is going to join us for some funny thing about politics. Strangling Jack is coming back and telling us what he's up to. Uh, actor George Basil is going to be on later this month. And then we've got the 21 Punk Salute, which will have Steve Moriarty from The Gits, Danny Cox from The Feathers, Rick Sims from The Digits, Dave Smalley from Down By Law and Dag Nasty, Jay Sin from Narcoleptic Youth. And then we're having the massive ginormous end of the year show and there's something wrong with me right fern i just can't stop booking amazing people dude you're like yeah this is probably going to be a two-hour show three-hour show four-hour show now it's a five-hour show and i'm just like i'm i'm thinking back to the 12-hour podcast and i'm just like all right well i'm i'm gonna have to ration my beer and hope that i don't face plant by the end of the podcast like, hope I don't end up in a pool of my own piss and vomit by by the time it's all done. But it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Yes. Uh, and that giant show is going to include 
William Sanderson, Travis Harmon, Allison Clemp, Mike Bushman, B Squid, The Library Barge, John Lear, Angela Gulner, Jenny Jaffe, Joe Castro, Deborah Lamb, <laughs> Yuri Baranovsky, Corey Clark, and Steve Trash. And if you add anybody else to that, we're going to have problems. No, it's going to be really awesome. And of course, <laughs> um, if you guys miss any of that, it is, of course, going to be all on tincan.media as always because that is how we roll it's just how that we roll. is how we roll and we're already starting to book for january i just yes. um booked comedian emmy emmy amula winner for um kettle of fish mm-hmm. so we've got more stuff we'll post on the page all right who do we have on here today today we have the pretty funny but not crazy like i don't know everything i've seen of his so far i mean it's funny but it's not like offensive funny like not really like i don't know it's like a new kind of comedy these days right where it just i'm offended by your lack of offense (laughs) it doesn't piss you off it just makes you laugh you know you're just like yeah that's kind of funny i like that trust me someone's pissed off there's nothing a basket of cute puppies on a rainbow would piss somebody off yeah no um but yeah today we have uh the super funny high covnanian hi hi Hello there. Hi, I want to thank you so much for calling in today. It's very cool to have you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. The, the pleasure is mine. Thank you very much. Well, I want to jump right in here because you kind of first popped on my radar. I was strolling through YouTube, as I do, looking for new people I want to talk to because I do the booking. And I only talk to people who I truly, like, resonates with me, somebody who I truly dig. And I ran across you first from your show. It's kind of like a mock talk show called Harvey Knuckles. And I kind of want to dig into that. Tell us a little bit about Harvey <laughs> Knuckles. Um, the interviews, are they totally improv Are they scripted? When do you have new episodes coming out? And most importantly, how does someone become a guest on Harvey Knuckles? Because I would love to chat it up with you on Harvey Knuckles. That's right in my wheelhouse. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, we could definitely make that happen. Um, yeah, that character, he, he's been, he's been kind of brewing in me for the last, I'd say... 10 years or something. He's kind of a conglomerate of a character you might've seen on like a Dean Martin variety show. Right. With, uh, I come from a family of demonstrative gregarious people. So he he has a lot of that. It's kind of rooted in that. Um, and, uh, yeah, he kind of is a guy that you might see in like performing in Toontown and like a mad tea party kind of, kind of situation. So, uh, I'm kind of, uh, Putting, putting all these things together, it's kind of a zany, ridiculous character. It's all improvised. Everything, not, Nothing is really scripted. There's like beats we kind of like to hit, but everything in between is all improvised. So, I saw yeah, uh, your last video was at the zoo. When are you going back into you know, the talk show environment and having guests? Well, we're currently working on a YouTube channel um, that will be out in a couple of months, uh, hopefully less, and yeah, it's, uh, we have filmed a couple of interviews already. We have two more to do before we can put everything together. Sweet. Um, those on location, uh, things like the zoo, we're going to do more of those. And just uh, get this guy in the, in the precarious and ridiculous situations. I think that's, uh, that's, <laughs> that's where it is. <laughs> Fern, yeah. I know I sent you that information when we first um, booked Hyde. What did you think about Harvey Knuckles? Did it fancy like your tickle your fancy like it did me? 
Oh, my fancy was definitely tickled. Um, and I share a, uh, a very special bond with Harvey. Um, I, as well, hate snakes. Um, I have a video up uh, where my son, my 14-year-old, had to save me from this little tiny garden snake, and I'm screaming the whole time, get it, get it, get it. You know, um, I don't like to kill things, but it does have to be removed from my driveway. Otherwise, I will turn into a Howard Hughes asshole and never leave the house. Um, But, yeah, no, I I, I definitely shared that hatred of uh, invertebrates. And, um, I, yeah, so, no, it was cool. It was fun. it was entertaining. It was, you know, unique, very unique, very different, and really cool. So, yeah, I loved it. And there's a certain amount of absurdism is absurdism in it, if that's a word. And I think we kind of yep. live in a fucking absurd society now, right, Hike? I mean, this is just it's it. This is is it art like imitating reality or reality imitating art? I can't tell the difference anymore. His lines are very blurred nowadays. Oh yeah, they're they're incredibly blurred. Yeah, I I I I have no idea what anyone's doing at any time, and uh, it's uh, <laughs> I feel like I feel like there's a there's a level of absurdity that could be welcomed with uh, open arms uh, if people let it and you know open their hearts to it. I feel like it could work uh, and could make everyone feel better about what's going on in the world. I don't know. That's kind of what I'm after. I'm just after the laugh, and if it uh, if it connects with people, then uh, then I've done my job, you know. So. Um, you know, it's uh, this kind of guy is a zany, ridiculous, non sequitur uh, kind of guy. So hopefully, people can uh, check out for a couple hours and, and watch him and feel better about themselves. That's the that's the goal. Yeah. But do you feel like Harvey Knuckles is more of a reprieve from the absurdity that we're living in right now, or more of a commentary, like a Colbert commentary on what's going on right now? He could be like uh he could be that. Like, he could be like a caricature of what's happening. Um I feel like uh yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, he's he's just a, I don't know. He's he's a guy. You know it's it's wild because the uh the name Harvey. I mean, I've I've come up uh I came up with this guy at least 10 years ago, but lately as we've been putting this stuff out into the online uh and subsequently there's been a lot of uh negative connotations with the name Harvey in the last couple of months, Hurricane and uh, uh, a horrible uh, studio mogul. So, you know, there's a, so every time I try to release something, uh, you know, they're cramping my style. So, you know, I feel like we, uh, we've been kind of holding back until everything, the dust kind of clears so we can kind of show ourselves in a better light, which is, which is where we are anyway. So, you know, that's pretty smart. Um, I noticed you're kind of referring to Harvey in the third person. Does that help you to kind of separate him from you? Or is there a lot of components and elements of high in Harvey? There are definitely components uh, of of me and him. I uh, with any character I like to do, I definitely uh, it just it, I have to separate it. Just because, you <laughs> uh, know, with with uh, method acting, you know, I feel like you can definitely put yourself in the role. Um, and there's definitely a little bit of me and him, uh, a lot actually, just because of where he stems from. But um, yeah, I, I have to keep him at bay. Otherwise, I'll just I'll just end up. And he and he's so easy to play. He's so much fun that I could just be Harvey twenty four seven and be okay with it. But at the same time, not really know how to do anything else. You know, so <laughs> kind of get sucked into that rabbit hole. You know, but it's fun. It's fun. 
Well, you know, I noticed in the videos, like, I kind of got, and I don't know if this was purposeful or not, but I kind of got like a 20s feel with the music and the presentation. I don't know if that's intentional or not, but I also noticed, like, you've got a drink in your hand, like, I'm drinking tequila, or I've got kombucha, and it kind of reminds me of the, the prohibitionary, like, the stark dichotomy between having a drink and the music and the 20s, and, I mean, that may just be something that I'm reading too deep into, or is that your intent? Was that purposeful to kind of kind of present that stark dichotomy within the Harvey Knuckles show. You're 100% right on that, actually. That's exactly what we're going for. Uh, that was beautiful. This guy's, this guy's just like, a, he's a big band kind of guy. Uh, I, I see him, and we're actually going to be doing this out here in Los Angeles eventually, is to kind of perform him as in a variety show capacity in some kind of like speakeasy. That's what we're trying to do. He's kind of like a kind of hidden like a back alley Toontown kind of speakeasy hooch parlor kind of show, you know? So uh, he has that, you know, there's the, there's the big band, there's the cigar and then the scotch and the tequila and there's where oh, everyone's dressed up and we're just having, it's a romp, you know, it's a romp. So, but I constantly yeah. say I was born in the wrong decade. Like I was born too early or too late. And the decade that I relate to the most is actually the roaring twenties. And I'm yeah, like, man, too. if I was in the fucking, I mean, tin can media and it's all a throwback to like talking in a can, like attention, attention, ships at sea. Like, I really feel like I am, a, I would be much more comfortable if I was in my twenties and my thirties in the twenties. Do you kind of feel the same way, Hyde? Do you relate to that era more than you relate to what's going on today? Uh, yeah, I can't relate to anything that's going on today. So, like, yeah, I'm with. I'm, all, I'm, I'm always kind of just reverting back to you know the. I don't know. I don't know what it is about today, but I feel like I. I you know, there are always a sense. There's a sense of history which I, I admire and and. Uh, revere and respect so i kind of go that way naturally i'm constantly listening to m music from that era and even you know 60s and 70s and i watch a lot of the old dean martin roasts and you know i'll, I'll put on the untouchables once in a while you know <laughs> that that you know that whole i don't know if you've ever been to chicago but there's like a there's a cool oh, hotel yeah. the drake the the drake hotel across the street from the john hancock building it has that like kind of you know, the red and the brass and the brown leather. It's just, I don't know. There's something about that kind of, that era that is just, uh, it's, there's, there's tons of energy. I, I just follow the energy wherever it is. Yeah. yeah, and you're right, talking about the Steve Martin roast and thing like that, I always say, like, I wish I lived from 1895 to 1985. After 1985 has nothing for me, and I want to live in the 20s where going to the movies was a big fucking deal, and you put on a suit to go on an airplane ride, and things were a big deal, and now... When I was a kid, I remember we had an overnight pancake party because they were doing a on, – on Channel 20, they were doing a marathon of cross superstars. And it was a big deal because you didn't have YouTube and you didn't have internet. So me and all my friends got together and did our thing and stayed up all night and watched cross superstars. But now I could just Google it. So why would I get together with my friends and do something like that? You know, it's like totally fucking pointless. Like everything's at our fingertips. So nothing means anything. I tell this story about like when I skipped school and it's seven in the morning, I was standing at the record store to get the new Iron Maiden album. But now I could just friggin' download it off SoulSeek. Like why would yeah. kids today have those experiences where they have anticipation for something? When everything's right there, they have like some kind of nostalgia for something. How can you be nostalgic in a world where everything's right in your face? 
Right. Yeah. There's, there's nothing, uh, you, there's nothing tangible to, to hold, which I, uh, I feel like, you know, a record or, or, you know, anything just, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you. I'm totally with you. Yeah, well, I think there's also younger than us, right? I mean, I'm assuming mm. I don't know how old you are, Hike, but I'm 46, and you're I've got about eight, eh, seven, eight years on you, Fern. Yeah, 39. Yeah, do you have that same longing of a time when things meant something? Um, you know, though, I think I think technology has allowed kids like I was because I was not super social. I mean, I know that a lot of people would be surprised because I'm a very social person now. But when I was a kid, I kind of kept to myself. And, you know, going to the movies was great. But I used to pull down, you know, all the vinyl that my parents have. And I would listen to like Herman's Hermits and I would listen to Hot Butter by Popcorn. And I would listen to Grand some Pop of this Railroad. crazy shit. Um, I don't know if I ever put that on, but that's something I do appreciate. Maria, um, but I would also on vinyl. But but I would either go out and ride my bike or play outside, play in the sand pits, ride four wheelers, go mountain biking, or I would be in my book my my room reading a book. I didn't really. I watched some TV, and I know a lot about the '80s and the trivia. Like you and I are right on the same page with that, Nick. But I was really not super social, and I don't really have a longing for that because I'm very social now. I have other things that I can do and I do get out and behind the, from behind the computer desk and I feel face-to-face and human interaction is super important, gaining new perspectives, opening your mind, like Haig was saying. Um, but, you know, I really don't long for that too much, only the time. You know, I wish I had the time now to do it a little more, but I think that you have to find a balance and for some kids, technology allows them to be antisocial. They'll go into chat rooms or whatever, but some people just aren't allows or good face-to-face. them to be antisocial. But if you can gain a social perspective in a chat room, um, at least a little bit to kind of get your footing, you know, my kid's kind of that way, he's a little uncomfortable among his peers, and I think that has to do with his intelligence. So sometimes he doesn't get, you know, for lack of a better term, the dick jokes that, you know, they're going to tell. He's, he's like on a different level. So for him, the chat rooms allow him to get with like-minded people, but he does still have face-to-face interaction. I encourage that. I try to make sure that that happens, but I also don't want to push him into something he's not comfortable with either. So it is kind of an out that we didn't have that still encourages communication. Um, although I do think you need to pull your kids off and, and the adults need to get off the computer as well and have that face-to-face interaction. But it doesn't always have to be in a super social, all-the-time, go-go-go, face-to-face setting. Do what you're comfortable with. That's true. You kind of turned me around on this. All right, let's move into comedy. Let's talk some comedy, Hyg. I was watching your right. stand-up. Um, I didn't see a whole lot of really recent stuff. Are you still performing stand-up? Are you still writing material? Are the, do you feel like the audiences are a little bit more like combative, so it's harder to go out on stage? Tell me about your comedy experience. Uh, yeah, well, I, you know, I, I've only been doing stand-up, I think, for just a, a few years, just like three years, I think. Um, and uh, I started in New York. I took like a comedy writing class, and then uh, got on stage at, um, at a club in New York and then kind of was dabbling into it, getting more and more involved in it and then moved out to LA, uh, and out here just trying to find my footing. I've done some shows out here and, uh, the LA crowd has been very forgiving, which I'm very much appreciative of. And, um, but I, I feel like I'm, I'm morphing again. I think doing this, um, 
Harvey Knuckles show has really kind of opened my brain in, in a whole new way where I'm having a whole new approach to things. And um, I'm kind of abandoning my material just and trying to just be wow. on, on stage, which is something that I, I uh, I'm Are you saying you with. feel yeah. more Harvey Knuckle-ish when you're on stage than you do yourself? Well, n- well, no, I, uh, well, I do like diving into characters and voices and, and things like that. Uh, if I'm telling a story and there's all these, um, characters that w- during the course of the experience, but I feel like, uh, well, if I'm going to do Harvey Knuckles on stage, it's going to be, that's, that's just going to be it. But if, if I'm just going to be myself, um, it's tough. To, it's, it's been a struggle as of late, uh, I, I guess I'm morphing into something else, which is always good um, creatively. Um, trying to find my footing and finding my voice as myself, it's easy for me to kind of just jump into a voice and a character and I can just run with it. So uh, it's easier for me to do that than just be high on stage and, and tell some material. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at these days. It's like, you know, it's easier for me to be somebody else. I guess that's the easiest way to put it. That sounds uh, like a hard tightrope to walk, though, right? I mean, it it sounds like a real balancing act to me. Oh, absolutely. Because if 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 people aren't on board with the character that you're doing, then you you you've already it's already over. You know, I think um, I kind of have to. Do you take it as personally? Like, is it a personal affront if they're like, I don't like Harvey, but I like Hyde? Or is it like, well, this is a separate thing, so maybe I need to try something else? Uh, the second part of that, yeah. It's, uh, it's, I have to separate it. Yeah, I feel like the people that are going to like that character will, you know, that's great. And then I can just do my own thing on my own time, you know. And then, and then finding, and then mentally finding balance in that, which is, uh, which is always the struggle of, of a performer when you're, when you're diving into different characters, you know, and it was, in my experience, it's always a decompression uh, session I have to take and then I can get back to center and then I can just start writing material for myself, uh, whatever I think is funny, whether it's um, an experience that I just went through or a character I, or a person I just met that triggered something, you know, uh, as of right now, yeah, I'm just trying to, get comfortable on stage. Usually I'm real more comfortable in front of the camera. Now I'm kind of really getting, cause I, I'd like to perform Harvey Knuckles on stage in front of people uh, as an end game for that character. So um, for me as high to get comfortable on stage in front of people is, is, is the challenge now. So I'm uh, welcoming it with uh, shaking arms, shaking arms. Shaking. Well, I got to tell you, and I don't know, Fern, if you agree with me, but I kind of feel like, When we started this podcast, and I've been doing this four years, and you jumped on board about two and a half years with me, Fern, I feel like I had a high school education on comedy, and now I have a bachelor's degree, and I realize how many moving parts and how complex going out and performing is, as opposed to, oh, well, he just gets on stage to tell dick jokes. There's so many layers to it. And I don't do, like. Do you feel the same way, Fern? Where it was kind of like I was looking at this in a very two-dimensional way. Here's a guy who just comes on stage and tells jokes, and now I'm kind of looking at it. Man, there's so many fucking moving parts of trying to juggle all these different facets of my personality and do this thing because nobody can be one thing anymore, right? You can't just be a comedian. You can't just be an actor. To be to have your voice heard, you kind of got to be multiple things. And I feel like I've learned so much just about how the mechanisms of comedy works. Do you feel the same way, Fern? Uh, 
Yeah, and I think that transcends um, not just comedy, but just Hollywood in general, you know, magicians, all of it, all the, pe- all the wonderful people we've really? talked to. It transcends everything, and I think the best way for the listeners to really grab a hold of the concept of how deep it is and what kind of commitment and it takes and what kind of passion it takes is to just imagine you're having a really bad day and you're at work and you've got somebody standing in front of you and you have to be nice to them. You have to take your personality and what's going on with you. You've got to put it aside and you have to put yourself in character and be a nice person even though you know your your dog is sick or your bills are late or your yard needs to be cut or your kids are being assholes it doesn't really matter you got to put all that aside and you've got to you've got a job to do and if you look at it in that aspect and maybe you can gain a, a better and that's even just touching the surface scratching the surface but gain a better understanding of what it takes to put who you are 100% aside to do something else that you're passionate about and get into a character and get into a mindset. And that is, that is talent. It's not everybody can do that. And that is, um, it's, it's also discipline. And it's right? fun. What did I say to you the other day when I was like, man, I don't know what direction I want to go in creatively because I've been doing the podcasting thing for five right. years and I want to move on. And I was like, I don't want to be an actor. They work too hard. I mean, they have to get up at like five in the morning and stand out in the cold in a T-shirt and do 40. I mean, just doing that AGT thing and having to run and scream and do the same thing 20 times. Those cats have to do it like 100 times. I'm not that disciplined to do that. And that's something I've learned through this process is how incredibly disciplined you have to be to be an actor or a comedian. And you also have to have an open mind, right? Because you have to be able to gain a different perspective. You have to be able to say, this is this person, this is this character, and I need to know what they're thinking, who they are, where they are, what time they are, why they're saying this, like what's going on, um, to really get in that mindset. And that takes work, it takes talent, and it also takes an open mind. And I tend to find that, you know, I know Hollywood gets a, a, you know, people in the entertainment industry in general get a very bad rap for being the dirty liberal whatever, but honestly, it's, it's all about having your mind opened up and expanded and being able to accept different perspectives and think, this yep. is where I need to go, this is what I need to do. And I think that's highly important, and that does transcend throughout not just the career, but throughout your entire life. And that's a, a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Well, hi. Um, you know, there is this stigma, and Fern brings up a great point, of like the lazy Hollywood elite. Do you feel as an entertainer, being on the inside of that fishbowl, do you feel like entertainers are misunderstood? Do you feel like you're misunderstood? To so like the general um, populace. Well, I think that, uh, well, there is a, uh, t- to both your points, I feel like there is uh, a great deal of, of discipline and and hard work uh, on a, on a more intimate personal level that personal level that the performer actor comedian or otherwise has to go especially through. emotionally uh, emotionally yeah it's emotionally draining I mean we uh, just on a just on a personal level uh, last week we um, we shot another parody uh, bit for the Harvey Knuckles show and I had to do like I you know I basically did five or six different characters over the course of like a seven or eight hour shoot. And, um, it was, uh, at the end of it, you know, I, I, I felt fine. I felt great. But then about 20 to 30 minutes later, I, it's like, I, it's like, I just ran through a sliding glass door. You know, I, I had to sit down. I was exhausted and I, and I hadn't been through that. I hadn't put myself through that in a very long time. And I didn't realize how much 
at the time when you're doing it, you're not even thinking. You're just focused on the work and exactly what you have to say and and how how you're, you're and all all the components. But then when afterwards, there's a you're just decompressing. It's just it 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 was reaffirming the the fact that how much it does take and how much it takes a toll on on the performer and um, just like a self uh, realization. So people in the in the business, you know, I feel like it's you know, there is a level of, uh, there's energy levels and paradigms that, that people hit. And, um, uh, you know, I don't, it's, it's the life of a performer is, 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 is it's, it's strenuous. <laughs> it's exhausting. Well, that, that's the thing though. You put so much into it emotionally and that's what makes a good performer, right? Like you have everything going yeah. into it. You have, it takes a high intellect in my opinion, personally. And, and, you know, you probably know more people in the industry than I do, but personally I think it takes a high intellect to be able to logic that out and say, okay, this is what I need to do. And then be able to take that logic and that intellect and then tap into your emotion and really put yourself full bore into it. Um, when we were doing our two-hour political show, I would tell Nick, I was like, dude, I don't know about Kettle of Fish at, right after the show because it's so emotionally taxing. I'm so passionate about this, and I'm so invested and so involved that by the time we're done with this, I you know, have to be a professional and be logical, but I've still got my passion into it, and my brain is fried. My, I feel right. physically exhausted and mentally exhausted, and I totally right. understand that, but... That is, that's an amazing thing. I mean, it really is, and I applaud you for that, and that's the difference Definitely. between a true professional and, you know, somebody who's just in it to say, well, I can do this, and hopefully I can make a buck. Like, you have a passion, and that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, to that point as well, uh, to go even further, I mean, it's, um, it, it, at the end of the day, especially if you're performing in front of people, it, it's, a, it's more about them than it is about you, and, you're really performing for them and you're yeah. really whatever you have to do on the inside for yourself to get ready mentally, physically, you have to be ready because you know, these people are, <laughs> they're paying money and they're here to, to watch you, to watch your show and you have to give your best and, and to, and to, and to really put all that other stuff in check, you know, uh, whether, you know, I had a, I had a really awful day and blah, 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 blah. But then when, when the light turns on, boom, I'm, I have to be ready. You know, and right. because these people are expecting, uh, you know, to fall out of their, I have to make them fall out of their chairs and, and I hope I do so, you know, so that's, that's, yeah, it's. Yeah, and we've yeah. learned that, right, Fern? In the yeah. bad old days, sometimes we would be having arguments with our co-hosts up until showtime, and it'd be like, all right, we're going on air, and then all of a sudden we would have to snap into our on-air, I don't want to say personas because we are who we are, but our on-air, like, professionalism, I guess. Well, it's a matter of letting it roll, right? Like, you got issues, and yeah. there's a lot that happens behind the scenes sometimes, and you just have to water off a duck's back. This is my job. This is what I have to do. Um, yes, uh, he's being an asshole right now, and I really want to reach through the phone and choke him. But right now we have a job to do and we have work to do and we're going to do it. So it, there's always that, that caveat. But what it comes down to is are you a professional and can you get on air and can you perform despite what's going on? And that's really when you know you're doing good work because it's the passion that comes through and not the strife behind the scenes. Very well Absolutely. said. All right. I want to talk about digital physics because I love this movie. But first, I've got to mention something. Uh, probably the thing that I was enjoying most, the short I was enjoying most, was the Matador. 
and I notice it takes place in New York, the Wall Street Bull. Tell me how this came about, and was this meant to be a commentary on Wall Street at all, or was this just something fun you were out there doing and just kind of playing with it? <laughs> That's a, oh man, the, uh, yeah, we we uh, uh, a really good uh, friend of mine, old friend of mine, uh, photographer. Uh, he came up to New York. He wanted to he wanted to shoot me, and um, we spent the whole weekend kind of just shooting around New York and different things on the Brooklyn Bridge and Times Square. Then he had this idea uh, to put me in a matador costume and and go down in the early morning on a Sunday when basically no one's out yet and um, and shoot in front of the bull. Kind of just a matter. I guess it was uh, you know it was just an artistic uh, expressive piece, uh, a matador in front of a bull, that kind of thing. I don't, um, there was <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you were doing this before they built like the little statue of the girl putting her hand up, like no Wall Street, right? Oh yeah, no, yeah, that was this is way before. This is probably 2010 or 11, something like wow. that. Wow. So um, we were just yeah, we were there and we were getting clean shots. I mean, you know, right in the subway and with you know, it was a packed subway. I'm just standing there in the costume and, and it's New York, so no one really you know, there's millions of people. It's like oh, okay, there's a matador. Okay, great. Where does you one know, get so a matador a, costume? We we had to go to like a theatrical rental costume place the day before and they had one there and uh so we, so we rented it it was it was hilarious um and then we ended up getting down there and we were getting clean shots because no one was up yet it was a sunday morning at like seven thirty in the morning and down there it was very there was this desolate area so there's nothing there's no one walking around and then all of a sudden and we're getting clean shots and all of a sudden this gigantic uh bus pulls up and about 90 Asian people get off the bus. Holy shit. And they, start, and they start like, and they go, all of them go right for the bull. And they're all taking pictures with the bull. And, and the photographer is just like, he's starting to get a little agitated because we, could, we can't get a clean shot. And I was just like, you know what, let's just run with it. I think they're, they don't care, you know. So we, so we just started taking pictures with, the, with them. And, and then, it, it, you know, for at least another 20 minutes or something. And by the end, we were all friends. It was, it was great. It was <laughs> But I feel like funny. the advice you're giving, and we, I did a show with this um, artist, Rachel Mason, a while ago, and we were talking. I think one of the things that have held me back is that I am a very particular by-the-book anal, I guess, type of person. And she was like, you know what? You need to kind of let go more. And and she's like, you need to remind me of that and just say fuck it more. And I was like, cool, we'll be fuck it buddies. Like, you tell me fuck it, I'll tell you fuck it. And we went out on the road, and normally I wouldn't pick up hitchhikers, and we picked up a couple of these kids who had been on the road for three years hitchhiking. And even though I had all these other things mapped out to the T, the video we shot talking to these kids about their experience about being on the road and basically being homeless for three years was, in my opinion, the best video that we got. So what I'm hearing from you is like – You've got to be open. You've got to be flexible. You've got to roll with it and kind of not have any kind of pre-expectations in your head creatively about any project you go into, right? Oh, yeah. There's always going to be – you have to allow room for error, uh, improvisation, um, you know, a little INA, you know, improvise and adjust. That's uh, kind of – that's a good motto to have in any kind of production shoot that you're doing or any kind of situation creatively that you're going to have. You're always going to run into, you know, not problems or you know, snags, just like little things that maybe could ha- maybe force you to divert in a, in a totally different way. But once you go that way, you might find something better. 
And, um, you know, in the case of the Matador, we were outside getting really clean, great shots. And then this bus pulled up with all these people. <laughs> we we kind of like, we could have just packed up. All right, now you know, we're not getting clean shots anymore. But I was like, no, let's just, let's just roll with it. And then we, we just ended up getting some great stuff. We got pictures with them and it, and it just worked out. So that little, you know, that, that little uh, motto, you know, little mantra, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, just, we have to roll. Yeah, exactly. Just roll with it, you know. Well, I'm That's a perfectionist, and I think I'm getting better. I'm obviously getting better, but put me on the couch here, Hike. How do I just kind of open up <laughs> and not be like if one little thing goes wrong with the sound on the show? I'm like, oh my god, this sucks. We're a piece of shit. And I've had to really kind of go. Oh well, I mean, we've done 300 different types of episodes. Mm-hmm. If the sounds a little bit shitty, then that's okay because there's a hundred other episodes where the sound is pristine. How do I kind of keep letting go and just kind of roll with it, Hike? Tell me as a professional how I do that. Well, I think you just have to. Well, it, it, I guess in any kind of shoot, really. I, I mean, you, uh, opening yourself up to really, you know, it's not going to go as exactly as you would think. Like, um, like if if you write out a script and you have like a scene that you want to do, and it's all written out, particularly it's storyboarded, and everything is is ready to go, and then when you start rolling the character is giving some other kind of nuance that you weren't even prepared to to even think about let alone film and then you're really just you know it's not exactly what you wanted but i feel like you have to kind of just open yourself up and allow this kind of stuff to happen if it's if it's in the right direction if it's not then you know you have to you have to adjust but at the same time um yeah there has to be like a small level of of yeah, it, it's it's probably not going to be the exact same thing I have envisioned in my head, and and that's okay. <laughs> you know, I feel like there's a there's a level of of comfort that comes with that. You know, it's 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 not it's not going to be exactly as I think it is on paper, as it is on paper, as it as it is while I'm seeing it being filmed. Like if I'm calling action, and then all of a sudden, boom, they're going, and it's like, oh, okay, it's not exactly what I thought it would be. But so it's okay, okay to put like red X's on your vision board, right? Because that's something I've really oh. been having to learn how to do. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of just you know you have to weed out you have to weed out what's really not necessary, and um, and what you have left with is 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 a is a is a well crafted, well sculpted thing that maybe you know through a little bit of improvise and a little bit of adjust that that's what you have and that's that's where it got you and I think that if you you're constantly sticking to what exactly you have in mind and there's no room for anything really else. You might get more disappointed if it really didn't turn out the way you, you wanted it. Um, at the end, I feel like if you were kind of open to like little things that maybe, Oh yeah, I didn't really think of that. Maybe we could just use that. Yeah. We could, we could use that here now. And then, and then you might be surprised, you know? So yeah. Well, me and Fern's a lot alike. Fern, I mean, I feel like that's been the most cumbersome hurdle for me is to kind of let go of my perfectionism and just let things where they go. Do you feel like you're kind of hindered by the same thing? Oh, my God. You know I am. You know I am. Well, the I am harder on myself. So, um, you know, I'm always... I'm always the person that's like, hey, you did a great job, or hey, point out the positive, or try to be positive, because I, 
I can't see anything else right now because the world is so negative and so hateful that I feel like I have to put my feet on the floor and combat that pressure and put positive out. However, I am the hardest on myself than I would ever be on anyone else. And, I mean, you even told me pre-show, hey, look, take your advice and look in the mirror and then give it to yourself. And I don't look at failure, though, as failure. Now, I do feel bad if I fail at something or if I make a mistake, but I, if you pull something from it, if you learn from it, if you say, okay, this is what I learned not to do. This is the direction I don't want to go. This is a mistake I don't want to make again. As long as you're learning from that every single time and pulling something positive out of it, then it's a good thing. I mean, nobody is successful at 100% of everything that they ever do. And nobody is 100% tactful with their words. And everybody has I don't know about Leo, but I would say the rock's pretty damn near perfect. Yeah, the rock's perfect. But, <laughs> He's an alpha but, male. You know, you've got to pull the positive from things, and you have to use it as fuel and momentum to step forward because you should never confuse movement with action. And if you're moving laterally, then you're not going anywhere. You have to learn from that in order to be able to go forward and take in the positive, even if it's small, even if it's just a little tiny piece of glitter out of that big pile of shit, then you take it and you use it as fuel to move forward. And I have to learn to do that better with myself. And Nick, you know, we have these conversations and I'm like, ah, just let it roll. Don't worry about it. And that's easy for me to say, but it's harder to put in practice. Uh, but if you have a support system and people around you who are willing to encourage you, then it does make it easier. Hold on tight, baby. If you've got a support system, hard to come by today. All right, yeah. let's finish up with this because I've got to talk about digital physics. We've got to go down oh, yeah. this rabbit hole. Hi, um, you get the script to digital fig um, physics. You're looking it over. Do you understand the concepts? Did you have any awareness of digital physics and what it was when you agreed to the role? Tell me about, like, do you have any kind of physics background? Tell me about everything leading up to that and how much you actually knew what was going on in that script before you took it on. Uh, I'll give you the short answer. I had no clue what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> was, uh, I mean, uh, my, uh, my, my dear friend, um, the director of this uh, producer and creator of this whole thing, he, um, John Conley, and he, um, he basically came to me and he's, he's very big in math and science. And this is, this is up his alley. And he came to me with it and I read it and I, I got the gist of the character. That's where I was, I was going for. Um, but in terms of the actual, uh, math and, and science and physics, um, he, he had to, he had to really, he had to he had to quiz me and and, and teach me on that because I had I had no clue. No, so he had a strong day, grasp I, I, of the material then. Obviously. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is right up this is right up his wheelhouse, and uh, and he and he wanted to make him uh, he wanted to make a movie about it. And so when he came to me and I read it, <laughs> I was like, I get the character. You, you're just gonna have to you're just gonna have to to teach me this stuff because I, I I don't really know what I'm saying. So there was a lot of that and. I, 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 at the end of it at all, I, I get the gist of, I still, there's, you know, I have every now and then I'll, I'll, I'll text him like a math problem and then he'll send me the answer. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> you know, it's just, um, yeah, it, it was, it was an incredible learning experience. The whole, the whole process, it was an incredible, incredible opportunity and incredible learning experience. I'm very grateful and luckily, lucky to be a part of that. Absolutely. And I imagine, just like the guys from the Big Bang Theory, when you hear those guys talk, they're like, man, I'm such a better person being on this project, not just creatively, but I've learned so much. 
I mean, how much of learning the actual mechanics of digital uh, physics and the theory of it allowed you to apply that to the character and kind of expand as an artist itself? Are you taking that character, things you learned during that experience, and applying it to other things in your comedy? Or it didn't happen in a vacuum, right? Well, it was definitely... uh... Well, just acting in this film, it was definitely a learning experience in that regard. I mean, you're, you know, the, the you know the, the term on the job training. That's kind of what this was. It it was really just uh, it was like going to class every day. I you know we, it was twelve hour days and on average, and we're just on set. And I'm living like this guy, literally like lived like this guy, and um, you know, and getting engrossed in what this character is after this theory and still, (laughs) you know, that, that side of my brain doesn't work so well. So I I constantly being like, so, so what does this mean? You know? So why am I, why am I after this? You know, I'm constantly reverting, asking John questions about this and uh, easy to go insane during this process. Right. Oh, it was very easy. And, and uh, yeah, it was, it was too easy. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I, it took me a while to kind of come out of that, which was uh, which was all, which was frustrating to, to, to decompress off of it. But afterwards, um, just because of the dialogue and the complexity of the character, uh, for a little bit of time after that, um, every short that I did after that, or any kind of film or, or creative thing I did after that, was was just was just easier because of what I went through with wow. this dialogue and this character. It was it was really just it. It, it wasn't so much of a challenge. Um, so I grew uh, creatively in that regard, just either memorizing lines, you know, it really helped me because the dialogue in this film, I just some of those crazy monologues with a lot of physics jargon and for me to remember all that. And then I go, the next thing I do is like a short where I'm like a liquor store owner. Right. And I had a couple lines in an accent, you know, it was like, it was just, it just flowed. It was just effortless. So I feel like, I mean, there's definitely a level of effort there with energy and everything, but um, it was. And where uh, was that film it was, it shot? Was easier. Where was it shot at? Uh, digital physics was shot in, primarily in Jersey City and parts of uh, Brooklyn. And oh wow! There's one scene in Chinatown in Manhattan, and then we had a at the end the house, the professor's house, was shot down in southern New Jersey in a residential neighborhood. Yeah, so for would have guessed that. Yeah, so we uh, we shot uh, two weeks. We shot in the hostel, and uh, it was actually the director's. Uh, it was his own place, his bluff, and so he set it up as as a European type kind of hostel, and with the cast of characters and all that. It, th- that was an incredible experience to just live in that place. We didn't leave that place for like two weeks, and then um, no, and then we started city. going on location. It was kind of methody then, right? You were kind of like a method acting it because you didn't leave the place. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I had moved in with him a couple months before then, and I didn't leave until maybe a year later. I, I, I was, and I slept in that, that bunk bed that the character sleeps in. I slept in that for, for over a year. So, I, you know, I just I kind of lived like this guy, um, for better or worse. <laughs> you know, was, the same T-shirt with, like, a Commodore 64 by your side? <laughs> well, we had a lot of, oh, yeah, there was a lot of 80s, a lot of 80s stuff floating around yeah, that apartment, that. that's for sure. Oh yeah, it was it was Mario uh, Brothers, you know. It was Haven. Oh yeah, we're yeah we're big and we're big on that. And we uh, we ended up um, 
you know, there, there was a bar, there's like a bar arcade in Jersey city that we used to go to all the time. And they would play, you know, all with all the old eighties arcade games. So to, to decompress once in a while, we'd go over there, have a beer, play some Frogger, you know, hang out. Oh, you know, totally jealous. Totally I, will. I sent you the link to the movie. I was like, hey, well, not mm-hmm. the link, but I said, hey, here's here's the IMDb of it. Go on to Amazon and check it out. Right. And my first thought was like, this is so up your alley because I love science. I love physics. I'm not a math person. Might like high. My brain doesn't work that way. But I do love science and I do love watching like quantum physics and things like that. But you are even more of a science nerd than me. So I was yeah. like, oh, man, Fern's going to fucking revel in this when I send it to her. Dude, it was it was crazy too because um, first of all, the character was so believable. Like it was so believable that you knew exactly what you were talking about every step of the way. Like the way that this character's brain was working, and nobody else was getting it. Nobody else was understanding. I bet you he has a physics background just from his performance. Yes, I I I totally thought you had at least like a really really high math background. Like I went up to algebra three and trig. I never did calculus. So, and even that was a struggle for me. And I, you know, I like math. I love math. Like, it's great, but it's just not my strong point. I'm more physics, science-minded, that type of mentality. But it was very believable. And I had to stop it and rewind it and really look and say, okay, I don't know this law. I don't know this law. I don't know this law. Like, this is stuff I need to look into. And the movie was very artistic. It's not the type of movie that I'm used to seeing. It was very artistic, and I could see the struggle throughout the whole thing. But I have to tell you, dude, for the last three mornings, I have woken up thinking about digital physics, and I'm like, is this possible? Well, then you have to take into account evolution. And, you know, when you look at the polar bear, the polar bear was a genetic freak, and but they seem to survive so therefore they took over and how do you explain emotion that's like a chemical thing and like can this all be explained by code and i've really put a lot of thought into this it's very fascinating so it has put my brain in a different realm and i of course relate it to quantum physics too because particles don't react in the quantum world the same way that they do in the regular world, and perhaps there is a simple code that is, you know, I think we have it wrong. We're mostly right, but we got something a little wrong if quantum physics doesn't react the way that we expect it to. So it definitely opens your brain, and I do appreciate that. It's given me something other than Donald Trump to focus on. So that's a good Wow. <laughs> yeah, we all need something other than Donald Trump. Hi, here, after here. you got off this project, were you, like, diving in and researching this stuff just for personal intellectual like curiosity or did you walk away from the project and just kind of move on to the next thing well i kind of well after we had done finished shooting we, we you know we i was still i was still there um for a number of months um as you know john was in post at that point and um and is john yeah, kind of I mean, like a mad scientist he became one. Yeah, he kind of, you know, just you know, on the computer twenty four seven. It was, it was, it was. It, actually, it was, it was impressive to watch. Um, but it, you know, and just, just having it in the air all the time. You know, um, oh, yeah. I, I still, I still didn't know what what was going on. I knew, I knew that um, the, the gist of like, you know, we're we're all living in a computer simulation. That's like the, the gist of it, and I kind of got that. Um, everything else is like, you can just chuck it up to, Oh yeah, I played a doctor on TV. You know, like that, you know, I'm not a real doctor. You know, that's like, it's like, 
it's like that notion though. You know, I just played a, I played a physicist in the movie. I'm not a real physicist, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, it was, um, it was very, still to this day, very difficult to, uh, to comprehend, but, um, but I, I mean, luckily, I mean, to get that experience to play a kind of character, which is completely an opposite end of me really, um, was, was a dream come true. I'm just very lucky to be a part of it. Yeah. Well, but here's what I kind of noticed. I'm watching a movie and I kind I looked up digital physics going into this episode and I had seen this come across my Facebook thread before where we're all living in a computer simulation. I just didn't have a name to attach to it. But when I was watching a movie, it seemed more like your character was like, these computer programs can break down reality for us. But I wasn't really getting the vibe that he was coming to conclusion, this is all a simulation. Is that what the character was discovering? And do you feel like he was going mad? Because it didn't end well for him at the end of the movie. Did you feel like he was going mad during this movie? Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, I think he, I think he was. I think he was just frustrated because no one else around him knew what he was right. talking about. And he was kind of just this loner, eccentric uh, rebel with a cause, I feel like, but no one really understood the cause. And then the only person that really understood it was this professor that he was just trying to get in touch with the right. whole movie. And by the, by the time he actually gets to him, you know, he's just shooting it down. You know, he's completely just shooting him down. And I think it was just, it was just pulling the rug underneath him, you know, from underneath him. And it was just a, a total wipeout for him. And you just see him just go off into oblivion and you're wondering, well, was he right? Was he not right? What, did he have something? Did he not have something that was left up to the audience interpretation? I feel like, which is always good for a film or a TV show, like, the series finale or something. I always enjoy where it kind of just leaves it like up to the audience to figure out, well, did he die? Did he not die? You know, that kind of thing. So I, I liked how it ended in that regard. Um, I'm not giving anything away or anything, but it's, um, yeah, I feel like very open-ended. Yeah. It's open-ended. Yeah. And I feel like, um, and there's a lot of material out there like that. And this was, yeah, it just, it, it, it brings up, uh, for people who are into it and enjoy it, it, it just brings up a lot of questions. And um, I think that's, I think that's the mark of a good film where, you know, you can get the audience talking afterwards. Oh, what, what, you know, what, what's this, what's that, you know, all that. So. Um, it definitely yeah, he, he made did, me did. think, what did you think happened? And I'm, I'm probably mispronouncing his name. Was his name catching? How do you pronounce your character's name? <laughs> it's uh, Kachik. Coaching, coaching. It does he end up end of the day after his film raving lunatic, just kind of wandering the streets and just screaming at people, or does he get redeemed and get kind of recertified in the scientific community? How do you think your character's like future played out or unfolded? Uh, that's a good question. I it's I, I have no idea. I it, I guess it, it could go either way. You know, I feel like. At one end, he could just go off into into oblivion, and that's about it, you know. And you're just you might see him on the street one day, like with a with a piece of chalk, right, writing on a brick wall, like a whole bunch of <laughs> whole bunch of different theories. You know, he's still at it, you know. But uh, or he might try to try to get in touch with somebody else that maybe have been able to get his work out there as well. I mean, it's um, it's 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 a life. I guess it's, for him, it's a, it's just a battle. It's just a battle. So, uh, yeah, I mean, whether he's got something or not, I feel like it's up to <laughs> up to interpretation. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope I hope it ends well, you know. So, uh, 
Well, I'm actually a little surprised you didn't already have like his whole life unfolded in your head while doing it. Because I'm always obsessing over things. So I'd be like, oh, I could tell you his future 20 years out. But you just kind of left it open-minded in your or open-ended in your own mind. It was like, yeah, I'm just not going to put any expectations on how he turned out, right? Yeah, I, I feel like the way the movie unfolds, um, it kind of gave me uh, a perspective of maybe I should just continue this once the movie's finished and not give any kind of concrete um, direction for this character. I feel like there was, I feel like it was, it's just open-ended, you know, I, 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 I would hope that he would find success in his theories. That's, that's always the, the hope. Right. Um, whether it happens or not, I have no clue. <laughs> you know, it's uh, yeah, yeah. You just hope for the best. <laughs> I, I guess you know. So, yeah. All right, fine. You know, though, the the yeah. one thing yeah. I was going to say, the one thing that I gleaned from this, and the most important thing that I gleaned from this personally, and I don't know if this was intentional or not, but this is kind of what I pulled out of this was the sense of desperation. Um, that's like the best word that I can describe throughout this entire film was the sense of desperation to say, look, I have this idea. This could change everything. This could be big. This could help us. This could make the world a better place. And to see that get squashed was just, I put it on a global level, and I think how many people are out there who have these amazing ideas and these amazing thoughts, but they don't have the opportunity to be able to express them and make the world a better place. And it made me very sad, but it also made me very hopeful because there's always new ideas. There's always new things coming out. So it was a deep sense of desperation and a, a sadness that that does get squashed, but also gives me a great sense of hope because I believe that things will get better. I always believe things will get better. And it only takes one yeah, person, you're a star one individual to change. Yeah, I refuse to let the world strip that from me. It's not well, going to happen. I will always believe that. But that's a good point, Absolutely. though, right, Hyde? Like my grandmother used to always say, you can't see the picture if you're outside the frame. So if you're trapped exactly. in this little world and, and here comes your character who can see outside the frame, it is very difficult to convince people what's outside of kind of like their frame of reference or periphery. Hey, this is what's actually going on. And we're seeing a lot of that challenging of reality right now play out just politically. And it's kind of seeping into every facet of our life, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, those are, those are incredible points. Um, and, uh, yeah, I feel like you know anyone that has something that they're they believe in and they're passionate about, you know, I feel like to get it out there into the world and get the get people to see it and maybe have a stamp of approval or any kind of you find success from it, uh, you know, it, it's it's always a struggle and you, and you you hope that they that they that they succeed, you know, at the end of the day. And that, uh, it just makes, and when they do, it makes the world a better place, especially if it's, if it's something for the common good of humanity, you know, I, you know, it's, uh, it, it opens up a lot of deep questions, I guess. And, um, yeah, that's this, I mean, this character was, was after that. I mean, he just, he had something he was passionate and believed very strongly about and studied and researched and, and went through the ringer with, and at the end of the day, it gets squashed and it's, it's, it's a horrible thing that that kind of thing happens all the time. And you just, you just, you, those are the people you, I don't know, you, you like to root for. Hopefully. So do you see him yeah. as an underdog or an anti-hero? I think a little both because <laughs> he's, he's kind of, uh, you know, he's, yeah, not same like, here. he's, 
he's not like the he's not a model citizen. I feel like right. he's, uh, yeah. he's kind of you know uh, he's just engrossed in his in his in his head and his work and um, kind of forgetting it. You know leaving everything up to just whatever, but, um, which is and not really the lack best way to live. Right? I'm sorry, what? He does lack a little bit of self-awareness too. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. I mean, he's completely, uh, oblivious. I mean, it's, um, it's just, uh, yeah. That's the genius. You know, you, yeah. And, and there's, um, he's completely in, 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 engulfed. And for someone like that to get, to go to a hero of his and then have it squash, have it be squashed. That's gotta be, that's gotta be life uh, ending, life changing, you know? And, and, and you just feel for that. You feel for that at the end of the day. So it's, um, and you had, you hope that they could find some kind of peace and success at the same time. And so on some level. Could not agree more. End of the day, it entertained, it educated, and it gave me a little bit of perspective. Okay, we got to get out of here. I do want to touch on this real quick before we leave because we're reaching, oh, wow, we're over the hour mark. Gut Instinct. I love this animated short that you voiced the anger. Um, I guess it's like the angry manager Saul for. There was only one yeah. episode up on that Vimeo. Is this something that's going to be ongoing or is this just kind of like a one-shot deal? That was actually, uh, I auditioned for, uh, it was a, it was a uh, USC um, student film that um, I auditioned for as a voiceover. And uh, it was a senior project. And it, this, uh, the senior at USC, she was making this, um, Taylor, she was making this, uh, this animated short. And I auditioned for it and I recorded it down there. It was, it was, it was a, it was an incredible experience. I've never done anything like that before. It was a professional sounds. I mean, the equipment, the, the, the school down there is incredible. So, um, for me to get that opportunity was, it was a pleasure and, uh, to see it, I, I didn't know what my character was going to look like. You know, I guess we, we had, we had done the recording first and then it took about, I guess about eight or nine months for her to finish it. And then this past May, I, I went to the screening of it at USC and I looked at myself, I was like, Man, I didn't envision myself like that, but that—that's about right, you know. So, uh, <laughs> Amazing. It was—it was really—it was, really, was really funny. Uh, yeah, I would, you know, that—that that was. Uh, I haven't done really any voiceover to that to date. Little things here or there, but that was the first thing I've—I've I've seen, you know. And that was—that was—it was—it was quite an opportunity. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Well, I think the only constant we have here on the show talking to different actors is voiceover is the like fucking pot mm -hmm. of gold at the end of the rainbow. I have never heard a negative complaint about anybody who has done voiceover. It is just the a most amazing experience that I hear from everybody that I talk to. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, <laughs> you're, you're in a booth and you got these headphones on and, and you got the script there and you're you know, you're just a, whatever it is. I mean, for me, it was this, I was this angry manager and I knew it was going to be an animated. So I wanted to just go completely over the top and just completely engross myself in it. I remember just being exhausted and, and like, yeah, I was, like sweating afterwards. It was like, Oh my God, what did I just put myself through? But I felt so great afterwards. I've never done anything like that before. And it was, it was, uh, it, you know, it was, it was a bug. It was a bug. I'd, I'd love to do more. You know, yeah, and it's an odd experience, right? 
Because everybody goes to their own separate booths. You don't see everybody. You do your thing, shake hands at the end. And it's like, wow, did that just happen? That We're done. That's it. And here's your check. Yeah. Like, it's really bizarre yeah. from what I've heard. I've never done voiceover work, but I would love to do some kind of voiceover work. It sounds incredible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I tell you, I, you, you know, you guys have incredible voices. It, it, you know, you guys could definitely find some incredible work. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's pleasant wow, to the ears. thank you. Very pleasant, pleasant, very pleasant to the ear. The pleasure is mine. Thank you. Yeah, Dee has the best um, voiceover out of all of us. She has the best voice. And you've actually want to go down a trajectory, and I think you should. Okay, um, Fern, I'm going to let you get – well, I'm not going to let you. I'm going to ask you to have the last word here because we've got to get out of here. Well, I will certainly graciously accept. I do want to talk about gut instinct because I have a very dark – twisted sick sense of humor and when i first watched the short i was like oh my god my my soon-to-be 15 year old is always showing me weird shit on youtube he's like you have got to check this out wait, wait, weird shit exists on youtube I mm, oh the interwebs that. and the youtubes are the full Google of machine. the weirdest shit ever <laughs> <laughs> but I showed him gut instinct because I was like, this is right up your alley, dude. Oh, my God. This is so – I mean, I was literally laughing out loud. I was like, oh, he's got to see this. And so he and his friend were here, and I was like, dude, check this out. And they're just staring at it and looking at it, and they're laughing, but they're looking at it. And he's like, man, I think that might even be too weird for me. But that was awesome. But, man, <laughs> that is really weird. And I'm like, of all the shit that you show me – this is weird? No, no, no. No, no, no. But he did. He thoroughly enjoyed it. So you're hitting with the older crowd. You're hitting with the younger crowd. That's a good thing. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And, you know, oh. this just kind of popped in my head, so I guess I'm going to have the last word here. Um, end of the day, and let's get existential here, are you defined by your work or is your work defined by you? Because it seems like you've got your hands into so many creative pies it's like you have to constantly do this like juggling act and jump over here and jump over here and shift from this kind of creative endeavor and so forth. Do you feel like your work's defined by who Hyg is spiritually or as a person? I Like I said, I know I'm getting existential. Or do you feel like you're defined by your work and every time you add something on, like digital physics, you become more? Um, I feel like whenever I go through something at the end, I definitely I try to take uh, whatever I went through and, and learned from it and kind of sponge it, uh, onto me. So I have a different, another piece of what I just went through on me so I can take that into the next thing. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lifelong journey, you know, and I guess trying to find one's voice and place in the universe and, um, throughout these in creative endeavors, I've, I've definitely grown as, um, as an artist, as a performer, nice. And, um, uh, you know, here's cheers and cheers to the next one. And, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a journey of, uh, expression and, and art and, and, and love and passion. And that's, um, that's all I could hope for, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry. That sounded very lawnmower man. Like I have become more Dr. Richards. 
but it's true, <laughs> right? Like you kind of add yeah, on totally. these little facets and you become more creatively. And I feel bad for people who don't have creative bones in their body who are just kind of like grab their lunch pail and dredge out into the nine to five yeah. world and have nothing outside of that. Where, because I do think that stifles growth, right? If you're just a guy who kind of goes to your bullshit job and comes home and plops down on the couch and watches reality TV, I it's don't sad. think they're growing. It is sad, Fern. Thank you. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely have been uh, blessed and, and lucky to be given the gift of creative creativity and, um, and, and, you know, in, in, in this, in this world. And um, it's, it's, I've, I've, I've heard from other people. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely difficult to wear a, a great gift. Well, I feel like um, ah, nice. it's, it's uh, I feel like it's, uh, it's going to be a lifelong journey for me to, f- to figure out how to wear how to wear what I've been given well. And I feel like, uh, hopefully I can, I can get there uh, sooner than later, but it's, um, it's, it's just, it's all about, it's all about the journey. It's all about the journey. So, yeah. Well, I have to tell you, you've entertained and educated me, Hike. So once again, I don't invite people on the show that I'm not inspired by. So I want to thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you guys so much. The pleasure was all mine. What does 2018 have in store for Hike, And where can we find you on the interwebs? Well, uh, my website is www.hyg.website, and uh, post a lot of my work up there. Um, we're putting up uh, a YouTube channel for the Harvey Knuckles show, uh, hopefully uh, by the latest January, so next month. And um, I'll be I'll be there, and I'll be uh, well. Apparently and you I'm have new episodes in the yeah. can, right, for Harvey Knuckles? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in the can already. Uh, you can you can watch stuff online already. Uh, we're going to be kind of swapping that out for all the new stuff we've been posting. Uh, we're we're okay. filming uh, within the, within the month um, for the official YouTube channel, which would be the Harvey Knuckles show. And um, yeah, I, I hope you enjoyed it. And I just want to say thank you so much for having me. This, this, this is a pleasure. Absolutely. I feel the exact same way. Fern, this has been a pleasure as yes. well. It has been an immense pleasure. I, to be honest, uh, when I first looked at all things Hyg. Hovnanian, is that right? I think I got it right. Um, or close. I'm close. Uh, you can call me <laughs> Faye or Fawn to make up for that if you'd like. <laughs> can I start um, Can I introduce you to the show as Fawn um, Hart? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, it was it was very different. I started looking. It was awesome. I am I have become such a huge fan. I was like, okay, this is interesting. This is cool. This is new. And as I dug deeper, it's hard not to love everything high. I'm just saying you guys have got to go check it all out. Digital physics, Harvey Knuckles, stand up, everything, even the drum videos. Just we didn't check get it out. Yeah, I he know. was kind of playing like that Grammys music, like, okay, get off the stage. I'm going to have to get out the big cane and like I know. <laughs> drag you off. I have to beat you guys <laughs> off the air, but he is so entertaining. You are so entertaining. We love you. All Thank right, you so we'll get out of here. Thank you, Hike. Thank you for your time on this beautiful Sunday. Thank you.